So we're a fresh company, three years old, recently funded, and we are having a lot of fun creating a really good global corporate travel solution for our business travelers. And with me today, we have Alberto. Hello. Hi, Alberto. Good to be here, guys. So I'm Alberto, and I'm a CTO at uh, Bari, which is a Barcelona-based company, which I joined two years ago, and I lead the tech, tech team from, from the ground up. Cool. And also with us, we have also Pedro. <clears throat> so hi, all. So my name is Pedro Torres. Uh, I'm an engineering um, uh, director at TalkDesk. So TalkDesk, if you don't know, it's a cloud-based contact center solution. We have headquarters in San Francisco and offices in uh, Porto, Lisbon, and Salt Lake City, too. <clears throat> Just for, for everyone to have it like... Uh, an idea of our of the size of our engineering team. We we consider ourselves an engineering company. So more than 50% of everyone that talked that works on uh, software engineering or helps uh, build our product. So we have more than 100 engineers right now after seven years that we were born. That's cool. That's cool. That's quite a decent size. <laughs> okay. Okay. If you if if it's okay for you guys, I will start by just summarizing the three questions I have in mind for today's session just in case so we have some time for start thinking about them using the background thread. So the first one uh, that I want to, to propose is how do you scale your teams without losing your essence? So our companies are different animals uh, and sometimes it's easier, it's really complicated to, to grow a team without losing who we really are. The second one is how do you scale those teams but not without losing the essence, now is without losing agility. When you have a small company with four or five people, it's really easy to make things happen is where the magic happens but when you start having uh, like big teams of hundreds of people especially if they are they are like scattered all around the different geographies it gets really complicated and last but not least my favorite is what are the challenges that are keeping you up at night so if we let's start by for example you alberto with the first one if it's okay for you oh well, yes yeah, sure. how, how do you scale your team without losing who body really is well, so I think that um, the, main, uh, the main issue here is to preserve the cultural fit of, of the team. So I don't know you guys, um, but I started with junior developers. Now we are not, uh, uh, we're not 100, we are 15 and, and growing and counting. But still, uh, with the growth, we had new talent joining. So on the one hand, you wanted to preserve the existing talent. But on the other hand, that fits perfectly your team. What we do is a hiring process that is composed of three steps. And it's very simple. The first one is a kind of firewall because it's a coding challenge. So the coding challenge allows us to understand whether the person can be a fit for the position. So we don't generate frustration on, with the onboarding on any of the two sides. So the person already knows more or less what to expect, what should, should be doing at the beginning. And at the same time, we also know that the person will be able to quickly grasp our code base and contribute actively. So that's the first part. And the second part is an interview where we don't really ask anything technical, but we just evaluate the fit in the, in the team. Uh, we also, we call it what you see is what you get. We explain everything, the, the good things and then the things that can be improved. And the third part is what we call open day. So to make sure the person fit in our team, when the, we take the best one, the best score in the coding challenge, we interview and if we like him or her, 
they come to our office for an entire day. They don't work, but they stay with us and we go for lunch together. And that's our, that's a key point for me. And, and I think it worked well so far. So I just think it's important to not hire people with, uh, with uh, a different mindset than the, than, than the entire team. Even if they are more senior, for example, they should be humble enough to enter and not try to change everything from the beginning, but show their, their, their skills so that they can excite the others and, and lead the others. A real leader doesn't micromanage, but and doesn't have a huge ego, but is able to convince people by just getting his or her hands dirty. Cool, that sounds, that sounds really good. And I can buy 100% of what you said. Okay, uh, Pedro, anything else to add? It's really, comp it's really comprehensive, but I think you might be having some other clues for us. Uh, yes, so so definitely I'm I'm with Alberto and obviously with you. Uh, so I think that in order to scale, we really need to be rigorous uh, on our hiring process. So pretty much be picky with who we choose, right? So if we see someone that is not like a clear yes, I actually prefer to lose the candidate than to take a shot at it and maybe just jeopardize the whole the whole not whole company but the culture of the company, right? The the consistency of the group. <clears throat> but also uh, I believe that. Um, for us to scale without losing the essence, the first one uh, is to also to to give 100% of your attention to retention, right? Because Alberto mentioned hiring, but what about uh, making sure that the people that you already have, they don't leave? Uh, that's a particular uh, tough challenge, at least here in Portugal. Uh, things are very, very hot right now in Portugal. So Lisbon is super trendy. A lot of people moving in, a lot of new companies, um, openings or so startups, Google, uh, Amazon. So a lot of big corporates uh, wanting to establish some sort of presence here in Portugal. So I think that retention is key in order to, to scale without losing your, uh, your essence. Um, besides that, obviously, <clears throat> there is also one thing that I truly believe. And obviously, since we are talking about scaling engineering, is about having solid engineering values and processes in place. So if you're waiting to scale to find your processes, you're going to go through growth pain. So the thing is, put your processes in place, make sure that what you do today works with 10 people or 100 or 500 or whatever, and then you're ready to, to go to the next step without losing your essence. <clears throat> Does it make sense? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, makes a lot of sense. So I really, I really am 100% with both of you guys. The only thing I can add on top of that is uh, I think we covered a lot the, the procedures behind the operations and also the hiring. I also would love to add the, the, the concept are really important because it's basically the set of guidelines that are going to, to keep consistency about what trial per case and what is not because uh, every company is a different animal. And for us, this is something that since day one, we, our founders, they created the basic set of seven principles that are simple, that are clear and that are uh, measurable. It's not like uh, be humble. It's no. It's when this thing happens, do that, or be flexible. It doesn't mean anything. It's like okay, simplicity over complexity. So things that you can actually measure and act, and basically uh, making hard decisions on that. So like for us, maybe the easy way is doing is doing A, but if our principles and what we believe is B, we are going to do B, even if it's not for everybody, even if it's going to cost more money, even if it's been the hard way. If it, we think it's the right way, we don't go shortcuts. And another thing we, we think is important is uh, play by the example. So actually here we, we tell people, okay, make things simple. And, but if we leaders, we do things in a complicated way, they are going to see, ah, this is not consistent. So, 
the same thing with uh, like uh, do your best to do your things and work hard. We are the we need to be the first ones doing this kind of things because people are really smart people and they see when you are preaching with example or when you are just saying things that are written in the on the wall. There, this is basically the kind of things that can kill a culture. And for us, it's really important to live by the examples and to live by the values. Whatever your values are, you need to be consistent. Otherwise, you are just another company. Okay, okay, okay. I think I think it's quite complete for the first one. Do you? Shall we? Shall we jump to the second one? I, I, if you don't mind, I, I just would like to add that one thing that uh, usually helps me a lot to to stay engaged and to and to value what I have today is actually to revisit the the history of the company a lot. So you know, as soon as you start scaling and you're 10, then 50, then 100, people usually the, the people that already arrived a long time ago tend to forget what happened in the company. So who were the people that allow you to get you here? Uh, what was the road, the path? Where do you want to go next? And and since I, I usually I make a couple of presentations about about TalkDesk. Every time I create a new presentation, I revisit those those things or I find something new that I didn't know about the company. I uh, didn't know about the company, uh, and that's very interesting and also uh, helps a lot on on making sure that you're really proud of, of the company that you work for. Uh, and that's something that, that helps a lot on, on keeping the essence. Yeah, I, in this regards, I, I do agree with, with, with Pedro. And uh, I really think that uh, we are also who we were. So for newcomers and people who, who, who enter the company in a later stage, it's very important to transmit this excitement, especially at the beginning when you don't really know where you are going. So I think this helps to uh, it's something that helps um, fosters a, a stronger team, and at the same time, also one thing we didn't. I mean, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Dave before uh, when you asked how to scale the team without without losing the essence. Or needless to say, a company as a whole has a vision. So of course, you want the best engineers. They have to fit your engineering team principles. Yes, but let's not forget, especially in a lead, leading position. What we want to, to really uh, um, propose uh, to, to a new candidate is to join, to embrace a vision. So that's, that's what we should pursue, right, as a company. Take, given that, then we can also, you know, itemize all the rest and, and, and make the perfect choice. So, yes, the company vision is, is, is the main point of interest in this. Yeah, that's great. It's 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 fantastic how different companies we all reach to the same point just by following the best principles. No? How similar we are, which is good. Okay, now let me let me move to the next one. How do we do this thing, but without losing the agility? Because we might reach to the point where, uh, when as we grow, things get more bureaucratic and then get slower, and then all of a sudden you stop producing, and then you start. How did you avoid reaching to this point? And now if maybe we can start to, to switch the thing, we can start to swap, we can start with Pedro. So we sure. give so, so we I give Alberto a bit more time to think. <laughs> no, I think I think it's really hard to so scaling is hard, period. Uh, without losing agility, it's very, very hard. Uh, I, I think it's fair to say that probably the the most successful system that has been written in a book or so, it's a Toyota production system, okay? So the Lean principles, uh, so it's amazing how uh, the Toyota with the factories with hundreds of thousands of people, they don't lose any, any efficiency and they are constantly improving the way they are building the cars. Definitely something that as, as software engineers, if we look a little bit more to the TPS system, we could learn a lot. <clears throat> 
but uh, my take here is <clears throat> yes definitely you really need to have support and sponsorship of upper management right so you you can't be agile if if uh, you have someone in the in the company and even more if it's upper management if it doesn't buy the concepts if and the agility and all of that uh, and yes and you really need to have people dedicated to that so for instance here at talk that we have agile coaches uh, training people training teams training the organization so we really need to all share the same sort of vision and mindset in order to to stay agile and to <clears throat> And to try to to not lose our essence. Um, last, last but not least, before passing the ball to to Alberto, I think that uh, agility it's all about getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. Um, so I think it's it's a matter of getting used to 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 be ready to react to to the unpredictable, to the unplanned, and and just and just live like that every single day. Yeah, I agree with that. Alberto, anything to build on top of what Pedro said? Yeah. So I would, I would, uh, I, would I, I do agree. I think also we should uh, eventually everyone, every company should embrace uh, the agile paradigm, okay? Because it is known that is more performant, right? But we have to believe that. The only thing, the only the, the, the point is that the answer to your question of you know, how do you scale your team without losing agility? I think. Then the real answer is you do lose agility for a short, short term. Why? The point is because at the beginning, if you are two or three engineers, you don't even, you don't really need, at least in my opinion, to organize everything in sprint from the beginning. Maybe you need, you would need, you would have an easier life after. But imagine you are looking for a for an investment, okay? And you're stressed, and you you need to execute faster. Maybe you're you're in two. Or in three. Now we are 45 in the company. We need it. But when we were in three, yes, we had a Trello, but we didn't really do any kind of agile, follow any kind of agile paradigm. I'm not proud of that, but at the same time, that allowed us to be so quick in prototyping. Uh, and I, I, it's okay for a short while, a couple of months, right? Then when you grow, you understand that uh, that you really have to embrace agile paradigms. The only issue there, uh, so Pedro was mentioning the, the upper management, yeah, I call them stakeholders, right? Investors, founders. The only issue there when you start without uh, agile is that people get spoiled and they think that if there is an idea, you can execute it in a, in a day or two, which you can, but maybe it's a hot fix, right? Or it's something that's not... Uh, meant to stay in the code base for, for, for long term. That's why you have to educate the entire company to, to embrace this, this, this kind of system. And sometimes it's the tech team that has to do, do so. So I just think, yes, eventually you embrace agile, but if you didn't start like that, you will end up with a loss of agility for a short amount of time. So you expect it, but then if you believe in the system, you will get a lot more performance. But I'm curious in this regard, so with Pedro, for example, did you start like me? Okay, did you start a bit uh, less organized uh, to, to prioritize uh, 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 yes, quickness of execution? Or you think we should start from day one with Jira, for example? 
No, uh, <clears throat> so when when talk test started, we pretty much embraced the get stuff then, or like or the get shit then. <laughs> Sorry for the live thing. Um, I mean, yes, we just needed to make things happen, right? So almost like a very lean startup, you know, you just want to create, validate ideas, and then just be as fast as you as as you can. And pretty much you you don't have any process at all at the very beginning, right? Because it it will just pretty much be in the middle of the way. You really need to be practical uh, at that point. But then obviously, as soon as you start scaling, you really need to have that in place, you know, just to avoid the growth pain. Uh, because uh, if, uh, and again, what works with three or four people will never work with 400 people. So when you start scaling and getting to start to, to have a big, a big or a very interesting dim dimension, uh, or you actually have like the processes in place where you know exactly where everyone is, or you're going to run into trouble. But yes, at the very beginning, definitely. It's, it's nice to know. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I think all of us started in a similar fashion. And, and to me, this is like, if you allow me to make the comparison, it's like playing music. If you have a band with four musicians, it's easy. So you can even play jazz. It's, it's fantastic when you have thousand musicians. Either you have a director of orchestra and you have everything prepared or the music is not going to sound well. So, so yeah, I agree. So when you start playing with your friends, which is a starting in the garage thing, it's it's easy, but then you need to put things. The, the only my only worry with this thing is you need to be careful about not being too formal because uh, to me the tools are just tools as long as they let you do your thing and they let you see your thing. I've seen in many different companies that I've been working that sometimes if you are not careful, the procedure is the end itself and it's not seen as a tool. But it's seeing yeah. it as an end. And I had the engineers like saying, oh, but wait, uh, we need to do the stand-up or we need to do this planning. Uh, and saying, come on, guys, production is on fire. First thing, business needs to be there. Uh, our clients need to be happy. And then we do the thing. This is a tool. It's not a, it's not a, a goal that we need to please the, the agile manifesto by itself. It's just a tool that is going to help us make our lives, our lives easier. It's not time by itself. So to me, it's, I'm, I'm just thinking, yeah, procedures, but... The procedures are different depending on the company. So you can get what you want, adapt it to your to who you are, and then make the best usage of, of it. Not not because somebody said that you need to have retros every two weeks. If it doesn't work for you, don't do it. That's 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 one. Another another one that I'm seeing is if sometimes when you have bigger teams like uh, 200 plus, if you don't slice the pro the problem in smaller slices, it's impossible. So you have a if you have a tribe of 200 people. You can be the best manager in the world. Nothing is going to happen. So to me, it's like get the problem, slice it in smaller problems, either tribes, squads, whatever, or functional teams, whatever works for you. To me, the tribes and the squads, the squads work really well in the past, and then empower them and give them autonomy to to solve the problem, because it's impossible to coordinate a bunch of people, all of them, like acting on the same thing. So like if you have like okay, like for example, in my past experiences, I was leading one several couple of tribes at skyscanner so we had different tribes one for flights one for uh, marketplace one for uh, hotels and this thing was a very natural and a very good way of slicing a big project that is giving trouble to people into smaller problems that is okay i want to buy a flight or i want to buy a hotel that are completely different problems sharing some parts so then you have a platform tribe or whatever but they are completely independent they can have different life cycles different deployments different product roadmap all these kind of things those things, and the last but not least, uh, give the, give people the ability to fail without oh, sure. punishment, because there's nothing worse than fear to fail. 
if you give them a safe place to experiment, that's one of the principles from Facebook I love a lot, like the move fast, break things. Now they change it and it's move fast, build things, which I don't think is cool enough. I prefer the previous one. I think it's really important when people don't feel like they're going to be uh, like responsible of something bad if it was not actually their fault, if it was the procedure or the technology or the checks that allowed them to fail. To me, it's important not to repeat mistakes, but it's really important to make mistakes and to make them really fast so you can learn. Totally, I, I agree. <clears throat> You've touched a lot of, of, of very interesting subjects, Dave. Um, so, so the first one about creativity, definitely. Uh, for instance, here at Talk that's what we do is every now and then we have a couple of hackathons. Okay, so for two days, people just build cool stuff and, and we present at the end and see what's happening. Uh, so that's something that we do. And, and usually it's amazing uh, when you actually re give room to people to, to create uh, the amazing, amazing things that you can do. And obviously it's a hack, but in two days, it's just, it's mind blowing. Uh, Another thing that you mentioned uh, and about scaling that I truly believe, so besides Spotify model <coughs> that it's also very mentioned is the, uh, I don't know if you had opportunity to read uh, Dan, Dan Pink's uh, drive book, <coughs> which pretty much he says that what motivates teams is autonomy, mastery and purpose. That's something that I really believe and I try to, to do that uh, every day at my job because again, uh, for us being a manager, it's not about telling everyone what to do, but making sure that you empower and you give the information for the teams to make decisions by themselves, okay? Because exactly like you said, I really don't care how good of a manager you are. Um, 100 people are definitely going to outsmart you. So why don't just grab the information and probably the bird's eye view that you have because you're in a, a different perspective and just make sure that you give the information to the people that really connect upon it. Yeah. But I mean, in the end, if you think about that, um, I mean, for example, my, my motto is, is trust and delegate. No, don't micromanage, make sure you, you find people you trust or, or make them like foster their, their professional skills so that you can trust them. And then it's up to them. In case someone breaks something, uh, it's not the, the responsibility of the individual. Have you ever read the story of the guy who wrote in Reddit and he became viral, uh, his programmer? that uh, the first day he was junior and he, he basically erased the production database. The CTO fired him, the guy went home. It's very famous, this story. And wrote already, it was very sad. He went to sleep and he had thousands and thousands of answers when he woke up because the point here is that you shouldn't be able to read the production database the first time you go there. Someone made a CV documentation, gave access. So as a whole, a team should be able to allow everyone to experiment, to even to make errors without compromising the entire, right? The, the, the production environment or the non-development environments are the same. Think about dockerizing things in developer, in development. So it's it's your responsibility to, 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 to improve DevOps and then things work. Yep, I agree. It's, uh, it's, it's your fault if they break your system, not the, the fault of the one breaking it. It's, it's as simple as that. Okay, okay, so I think we're getting closer to my favorite one, the psychotherapy. So what is keeping you up at night, guys? And I think this is an unbounded one, so let's try to keep it short because we don't have hours. I can speak hours about this thing because I don't sleep well lately. <laughs> so let's go for this one. Alberto, you want to start with this one? Yeah, uh, I would say so. Three challenges that keep me up uh, at night. Um, well, um, first of all, I would say infrastructure, especially at the phase we are now. We are growing a lot. And for example, we have a, 
like a multi-million dollar marketing campaign, which is offline and offline is okay, but also online. And when you are in TV, for example, you have peaks of user. Peaks are dangerous. So I probably, peaks scare me, yeah? They, they, no, they don't scare me, but I always think how to improve our, our infrastructure, especially uh, the database, because we have a, a relational database, it makes sense for us, we have a MySQL, but still we scale it uh, vertically, now we are scaling it horizontally as well, but what will we do one year from now, right? So we are working on that, and it's make me, make me think, Another thing would be some metrics we have. Sometimes we have, um, we are a marketplace, we have listings and we make some changes in the UX of our product. However, sometimes I don't see a one-to-one -one, uh, pattern between our, um, let's say, changes and the metrics. So this makes me think a lot and it's more of business side. And the last one, well, ideas for future. I keep thinking what from the tech side, what the tech side can, can do to contribute. To, to the product. And because sometimes people think that product is a kind of a decision uh, maker in terms of everything, but I really think from the tech side, we can give a lot, a lot of feedback. Uh, and that's what I try to do every time. Cool. It's, it's really funny. It's really funny this thing when you go off uh, like offline advertisement, like TV advertisement or things like that. How correlated, how strongly correlated this thing is with traffic. So in the past, I made a predictor of when our advertisement was live on TV just by seeing the peaks on the database. <laughs> it was super, super funny. Yeah, yeah. But it's interesting. I mean, plus you can end up finding, we could, as you said, we could talk hours. I mean, we even found the, we had the memory leak, which was due to, to low level Ruby like to Ruby, but we didn't know how to actually solve it. And it's not so easily solvable. I mean, so uh, that's tricky, that's tricky. Yeah? You have to be on top of that. Yeah, yeah, that's cool, that's cool. What keeps you up at night, Pedro? Uh, so besides the issues that uh, Alberto mentioned, because yes, uh, sometime in the past, I remember all of those, you know, infrastructure, never ending story, issues with Ruby. Uh, <clears throat> I think that more, more recently, uh, and looking into our current reality, I think the number one, or obviously not by priorities, but one that definitely stands out is the dependencies between teams. So as soon as you start to reach the 100 plus engineers, how do you make sure that you can make a single delivery without having like three or four teams, you know? Sometimes I, I wonder, okay, so just to put the button on our front end uh, application, okay, so how many teams do I really need to get involved to, I don't know, to, to pause uh, a call? So we need to call the, the team A and the B and the C and making sure that everybody gets that development done by date X and then we can roll out that stuff. So that's something that is very, very tricky and we, we, keep, we keep exploring the best solutions here. So between horizontal teams, vertical teams, some sort of hybrid approach between some horizontal and some, and some, and some vertical teams. So that's definitely like a huge, huge challenge. And it only gets worse, by the way. <laughs> the more people you put, the more in trouble you are. Um, second issue here is uh, obviously also very related with the first one, uh, engineering effectiveness. Okay, so how, how don't you lose, how, how can you stop losing effectiveness? How can you make sure that with the same people, you can get more stuff done? Okay, so how you make sure that you have automation in place, new tools, new practices, right? Because again, if you have like a limited number of, of people doing their work, okay, so how, how can you make sure that you have you give them all that you can so they can go faster, okay? And when I say faster, it's not faster of working more hours, it's about working smarter and with tools that allow us to actually to cover more, more ground uh, quicker. 
Um, the third one, uh, the third one is about uh, attracting the right talent and, and, and retaining the, the current one. Uh, just like I said at the very beginning, right? So Portugal, it's it's right now, it's like, it's crazy. A company is opening constantly, uh, tons of, uh, of offers. Um, so if I don't know about you, but uh, I, I would risk to say that uh, the average software engineer received at least one or two contacts on LinkedIn per day. So it's really, really hard to make sure that we can actually keep the current talent, you know, that people are happy, are satisfied, they feel rewarded. Uh, and that's, that just gets really, really hard with, the, at least here in Portugal. Um, and there is also a very interesting side effect that, for instance, when Ireland and Dublin, they were uh, like very trendy, I don't know, almost like five to 10 years ago, pretty much you, we saw everyone from Europe moving to, to Dublin, okay? So we saw Portuguese, we saw Spanish people moving into, you know, Italian, Polish, and so on and so forth. But for instance, when we're talking about Portugal or even Spain, it's not so attractive, right? Because we have different salary levels and all of that. So I see like tons of companies and job offers appearing, but we don't have enough people to actually to, to cover all of those offers. So I think that the, the, the fight for the right talent is something that, uh, that definitely uh, worries me a lot. Yeah, I think, I think we all share the same concerns. So probably we can create like support group or something <laughs> because I think, I think our nightmares are quite similar. Yeah. So yeah, ap apart from yeah, hiring and retaining the proper people, uh, one thing that worries me is how you don't become one thing that I don't want to be is I don't want to be the typical tech company. There are those companies that are all exactly the same. You see them like ping pong tables, lacto-free milk, a barista. But in the end, there's no mission. The mission was forgotten. Um, why, why are we here? It was forgotten. And people just come because they have a draft beer and a good salary. So that's not the kind of company where I want to spend my time, honestly. And I want to that's one of the things like how many, and, and the tiniest step can lead you there if you're not careful. So I'm, I'm trying to see all the signals, maybe being a bit paranoid. So we are a bit paranoid here, trying to basically stay being trial perk and not being just another big tech company that is just a different logo with different colors, but doing the same thing, treating people the same, like a sausage factory, like putting people here and getting products on the other side. And just by offering higher salaries or giving you more beers or that's that, that's not the company I want to be in and not becoming this company is complicated like I had fights around the ping pong table I had fights around the fastball table like when yes when no these kind of things because people can misunderstand what why those things are in the office versus uh, we are here to have fun yeah but we are here to have fun by building a product together and another one that keeps me, but this is a very personal one, is what is going to be my legacy when I leave? Because honestly, we are young enough to like see more companies after that. What is going to be my, my legacy? And this is something I try to build when I that when I when I'm in a company. And it's it's really it's really good when you go back to one, two, three companies ago and people still say, Oh, we still do this thing that you created, or we love this thing, or we really I really remember this conversation. Uh, we had uh, that changed my life and now I'm a better manager or now changed my career. I was lost. And those things are really the, the ones that are, that are making you love this, this profession of being technical manager. And I, and I try to do every day, every single day, try to do this thing, but it's really, really hard to keep the pace of doing all these things. Plus uh, giving people something that they will remember in the future. That's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Wow.
I think we, we covered all three and I still we have time. So that was pretty impressive. We are really efficient people. So <laughs> we would expect nothing less. Hey, I've got a question. You guys have talked about, you know, retaining employees and I'm wondering what kind of concrete, what kind of concrete steps have you taken that you have found work to help retain, especially top talent? I mean, what are the things that top talent today is most attracted to or what's worked for you to retain those people? No, that, that's a very good one, Randy. Um, well, in my opinion, and just like, for instance, Dave was actually focusing a lot, it's not about the money because the next company is going to pay you 100 euros or dollars more to move. It's not about the, the foosball table, okay? Because probably you buy one today, the next company will buy one next month, even cooler with shiny colors and people will move. Um, so definitely, I think it's about the mission, the purpose. So why should I be here at TalkDesk and not in a different company? Okay, so what, 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 what's the taking for me here? So why, why should I work here? Uh, am I going to become a better engineer? Am I going to learn a lot? Um, do I feel fulfilled just because I'm pushing some software to people to improve their, their, their lives? So I think it's about the meaning that you give to the, to the work. And that's pretty much what differentiates this company from other companies, right? Um, uh, for instance, I, I, can, I can give you uh, like a very quick example. Uh, previously, I've worked in a company, uh, an on, online betting company. Um, and sometimes I had a couple of mixed feelings, right? Because you were creating a very cool platform with very cool technologies, but at the very end of the day, uh, well, obviously not to everyone, but you, you made some people miserable, right? Because they are people that are losing uh, money uh, on your product. Uh, so that sometimes it made me that proud. Uh, and now working on a company that actually makes a software that just to improve customer experience, that's something that makes me feel good. So I understand the mission and, and my contributes to have a better world. So that's, that's more or less my take on, on, on retaining top talent. I, I, I agree. I mean, uh, in order to retain top talent, also, I think it, what's important is to not miss this, this personal dialogue with people, especially with the one who came into the gaming. It's very easy to have more money and get senior people on board and forget maybe the ones that actually created the product uh, along with you. So. Uh, for me, it's like preserving the one-to-one -one meetings, maybe not every week, maybe once a month, and we take an entire day or even two days. But it's very important because if you understand what, what they want to reach, uh, then you can help. And uh, at the same time, you can offer some uh, perks that not necessarily are like the football, which, by the way, I was smiling because my guys just asked me a football, but with the rock players, not plastic rock. Okay, that's, an, that's a side note, but what I'm saying is maybe you want information, you want to send them somewhere to, to, to learn something new and start to say, okay, you know what, now we went here and there, but in a scattered way, why don't you put a budget for formation? Every year, each of you guys has X thousand dollars for uh, to travel, to do this and that. So I think this is a way where you, that can help to retain talent. Take into account that the programmer every year, like the average uh, programmer changes every year, for example. So you really have to work hard, even with human resources, so uh, to, to make sure people are, people are they have to be happy. Whereas, as Pedro said, it's not just about money. Obviously, someone offers 40% more salary and you have a kid coming and you're, well, it can happen. I can happen, but you, you have to do your best to not lose the talent and it shouldn't be just money. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Money, money can be copied, and 
and anybody can give you this. To me, to me, it's it's basically what both of you said. I subscribe 100%. Uh, to me, I will resume this thing as being caring about people. So people are very smart. They know if you care or not, and they know if you have a plan for them or not. It's about what what it's in here for me in the next three years. I'm going to give you three years of my life. What I'm going to get back, and it can be money, but anybody can give you money. It can be. To me, it's about helping them reaching their potential, helping people to reach their potential. And me reaching my potential, being selfish too. And it's like having a plan for them. And the plan is built around having a strategy for them, having one-to-ones with them, caring about them. Uh, uh, silly examples, like for example, when we see that somebody improve his performance, we basically raise his salary without him asking. Why? Because just being selfish, it would be more expensive to me, go to the market, pay a headhunter, make the interviews, bringing a guy that may or may not work and they ending up paying more. So for us, the cheap alternative is to pay people what they are worth. And this is one just of the examples of basically caring about people. So you don't need to come to me and say, eh, this company offered me more because I know your market price raised in the last year because now you are better. So I'm going to pay you more before this other company does because when this company does, it's already too late. Uh, the same thing with, uh, oh, this company is offering me being a senior programmer and I'm a programmer here. I want to be senior. Okay, if you are senior already and, and if it's a real thing, I'm going to promote you to be senior. I'm not waiting for an extra company to see, an external company to see what I'm not seeing. I will be just, just for people not to be, uh, not to be worrying about if they are underpaid, not to be worried if they are not recognized. No, no, they need to see that they are recognized because it's, a, it's the right thing to do. They need to be properly paid, not golden chains that never works the golden jail never worked for anybody uh, in the end is caring about people and they are smart enough to see and if the ones that are not smart enough to see probably are not the right people for you another option which is like uh, shameless of course if you paid highly above the market price in the, i think in barcelona i would know that nobody can live easily unless they book right but that's sad because you really want to have people who are committed to 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 to, to the company and they follow the vision. I'm just saying, I just tackle the point. One could also work just exclusively with salaries. But yeah, money. I mean, raises are a good option. I'm just saying, I had junior programmers and now I have senior salaries after two years, and it's market price, and they feel it worthy. Maybe in the other company, they give them one more, one less, whatever. But still, yeah. they see their salary growing and, and they deserve it. And yeah. I think why not? Yeah. Very good, guys. Uh, good discussion. Thanks to Dave Garcia, VP of Engineering at Travel Perk in Barcelona, for being our, our moderator. And thanks to, to all of our guests. Clearly not a topic that we're going to exhaust in a single session, which is why every week we bring to you different topics about scaling. And I'm sure we'll have future shows about scaling engineering. We want to thank uh, not only our panelists, but especially we want to thank the audience, especially those of you here live at Facebook. And if you can't catch it live, we get that. Uh, you can always, of course, catch the recorded version. Visit our page, uh, scaleupacademy.io, to learn more about us and what we do. And if you find these live shows valuable, we hope you do, hit the like button, share today's show. Uh, you'll also see these guys, their names, and, and the companies that they represent in some of the links. Uh, every week. So reach out, feel free to connect with these, uh, with these experts that we're bringing you. I'm your host, Randy Cantrell. Next week, we're going to bring you this topic of scaling up sales. So until then, everybody have a great week. Bye.
and now we're having a problem dismounting. <laughs> we're working on it. It's the hazards of being live. Well, we're still live, but you guys did great. It was a good conversation. We can talk more if we are still. Yeah, live. yeah. Everybody, yeah. everybody did. Everybody yeah, did fine. <laughs> everybody did fine. We'll give people the behind yeah. the scenes. This is this but is the, ban the yeah the the ban the banter away from the show is often. We should probably record this sometimes. This, people don't get this is this is this is called bonus content. This is special yeah. content for everybody at Facebook Live. <laughs> DVD only. <laughs> yeah, they get well. They get they get to they maybe get to see more of our personalities and the fun that we get to have before and after the show. Yeah, I'll have to tell. I have to tell Miguel. We'll have to do some. Well, I agree. This some, session some bonus. Be a little bit more lengthy, you know, some like bonus, forty minutes. Some bonus. Very short. Yeah, we were we were a little bit we were a little bit short today. Anyway, so it was okay. <laughs> This will probably get cut off. This will probably get cut off, but I do have a question. You guys, founders that were engineers, were were all of your were were your founders? Did they come from a technical engineering background or no? No. Oh no no my talkness yes talkness did both founders were with they took their engineering IT degree here in Lisbon. So, so it's a bit I'm wondering, I'm, I'm just curious as a, as a non-engineer, I'm curious what, yeah. what, what, what disconnect yeah. or what connect, what problems it is when the guy or gal at the top, they're an engineer and do they tend to micromanage versus the ones that aren't engineers and may think that everything should be infinitely easier than it really technically is, <laughs> you know, I mean, yes. is it one or is it one or the other or am I completely off base on that? They're absolutely right. So depending That's on a healthy mix. <laughs> Well, I'm not expecting you guys to dump your, you know, ditch, uh, roll over your founders or anything, but I realize no, but that that background's got to present some problems, though. Hmm. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah, because yeah, because when you explain something, they get it. The problem is when you explain something, they get it. So. Yeah, yeah. It's harder. It's harder to <laughs> right. save, to save your. Let's it's too far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But in my case, in my case, they were not. They were not uh, tech, and they didn't have a tech background. So they did also a leap of faith with, with me. Right. 